Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, welcome in. Thanks for coming in this week. How have you been? How have you been feeling? Oh, you know the the usual. Um, actually, though, I've been kind of struggling with like you're 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 one of those like like are you one of those like LGBTQ friendly doctor therapists? But like actually, like you know, like they all they all put like kink friendly, poly friendly, LGBTQ friendly. Uh, what are the other acronyms? Like you know, they all put them on there. But like, are you actually? Like, do you get it? You know, so sometimes. Sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta show them who's boss, but uh, you know you, you usually I'm not, I try to be like in the community and stuff. Why why do you ask? Did something? Are you, are you like are you like cool? I'm doing the little the little like like you puff on weed thing, oh. but like as a limp wrist. Like are you cool? Oh, um, I'm I'm cool. I, you could say I'm. Like are you like are you a friend of Fujoshi? Uh yeah yeah you know if it doesn't if it doesn't lose me Twitter followers then sure you know. Okay. Cause like I'm like, I guess it's like, I don't know. I have just really complicated feelings about like, you know, representation. Oh, yeah. Cause like, I don't know. There's just like that. I feel like everything is always divided into two camps, where there's either the like. Oh, like my little scrungly, uh, you know, like oh my little scrumple, scrungly, scrugle, uh, this, this extremely boiled down gay character is so important. And then there's like the other camp, which I I probably lean more into of like you know like gay art exists, yeah, made by gay people that is not intended for children and like deals with stuff in a very real way, but like. I'm not like I'm not I'm not immune to propaganda. I'm not immune to like mainstream works folding in the gay and trans experience in the same way one would with like straight characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also just like Do I wanna see straight people doing it? But also when gay people do it, I feel like the pressure is to make it weaker. And so sometimes it just takes like a really dumb guy who doesn't quite know what he's putting out there to make something that ends up being like more interesting. Not as interesting as like real gay art, but like closer to maybe what I'd want to see with like mainstream gay stuff. Right, right. So it takes somebody outside of the community to kind of not feel, you know, the pressure that's put on people in the community to represent things in a certain way, uh, to, you know, create art that you find interesting. Yeah, no, like, like, some, you know, like, I, I look at my mega complex, and, you know, on one hand, there's gay media, like, bros, uh, which looks fucking terrible, and that I have no interest in seeing. Hmm. Um, and then on the other hand... There's M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. Oh, right. Yes, I see. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like it. I actually kind of wish it was, like, maybe a little stupider and less thought out. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, say say more about this. Uh, what... So, so it's like, all right, you know, like, at, at the end of the day, the premise of the film is a gay couple and their uh, 
cross-racial adopted daughter are are subjected to uh, a psychologically and somewhat violent uh, occasion in order to prevent the uh, apocalypse for everyone else. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, a gay character has to choose whether or not to kill himself or his part, his loved one, uh, in order to save all of mankind. And so at the end of the day, a straight guy is making a movie where, like, you know, a gay dude kills himself to save humanity. Right. Uh, God is going to wipe out the earth unless this gay couple, like, one of them eats it. Yeah, very audacious. Uh, very audacious. Very, very stupid very like why wow, you didn't think that through but that also feels like such a jezebel read of the film because mm. like it doesn't come off like m night does that maliciously it comes off like with a lot of his movies he kind of is a dumb guy <laughs> and so what he really wanted to make was a movie about this gay couple whose love is so powerful and strong for each other that it becomes the one love that has to be tested for humanity because it is the only it is a love that is actually strong enough where the sacrifice will matter enough to God to prove that humanity can actually sacrifice when sacrifices need to be done for each other. Uh, sure. And that's super stupid and schmaltzy in kind of the same way you'd expect from M. Night with, like, you know, signs. Yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. is basically signs, too, but gay. But I kind of like that we have a movie that's just signs, but it's gay now. <laughs> but also, like, we should have gotten Ron Weasley saying faggot. Oh my god. We didn't get Ron Weasley saying faggot. And there's clearly an audio gap where he either said it or could have dubbed it in, and they didn't do that, and his character says it in the book, and he doesn't say it in this movie. Okay, that's is that your real complaint about the is that your biggest that he I think he should have said it. That he uh, you think he should have said it. I think now more than ever, he owes us. <laughs> Uh, I don't, that's a whole bag of. We'll loop back to that one. He owes it. <laughs> All uh, right. No, my my actual thing uh, about this film and why it's so complicated and why you get into that dumb guy who doesn't really think things through is that. Um. So I talked to a friend who read the book. Yeah. Obviously, we're getting into spoilers for both here, uh, and the movie is extremely different from the book uh diverges pretty heavily i get this impression uh, um, yeah and that makes sense because it's an m night film and you know he has he has a sh- he has a style he has an interest he has a, a obsession right absolutely um and the book is a lot more depressing and a lot more ambiguous mm. because it's dealing with questions of fate and it's dealing with questions of doubt uh-huh. And it's dealing with the conflict between those two. Uh, and M. Night is just like, no, it's all real. <laughs> it really, it's actually happening. <laughs> we can actually it, empirically prove that the world is go- coming to an end. And uh, God is going to show up and visit and say, hey, man, you well, listen, you probably don't believe this, but you really got to kill yourself. Yeah. Uh, or the the world will end. the world is gonna end that's just that's just that's just how it is um yeah so 
the thing about that and uh, why like an example of this being a dumb guy choice is that in the book um the fact that Rupert Grint's character Redmond um is a homophobe who had previously gay bashed uh Eric I think it is, is it Eric or Andrew no. Andrew had previously a gay bashed Andrew yeah um is is a lot more relevant because um a Eric wasn't there for it, so it's not like there's somebody who's who saw the guy <laughs> right. beyond him. Uh, it, he wasn't there, and so because he also wasn't there for the gay bashing, you know, he has never been gay bashed, so he can't quite relate to his own husband in this experience, this specific experience of violent homophobia and how that changes you. Yeah. Um. And so that's a tension that happens between the couple is that he doesn't understand it. Uh, Eric is also a lot more religious than Andrew is, and thus, you know, that that kind of is a further fault line on it. And so there's between them the tension of is Andrew think that this guy is the one who gay bashed him because that is an easy answer to the situation that they're put in. Um, and Eric has no way to know or not. So there's questions of faith there, but also the possibility that he is lying about who he said he was and that he has, in fact, met this couple before because he gay bashed one of them uh, causes a lot of doubt and insert uncertainty about the other cultists, which is why it's a big deal that Redmond dies first. Yeah. Uh, my, my friend Lonnie, who saw the film with us and told me a bit about it, put it as his body is a lot more of a prop in the book because it's a very central object about which both sides of this sort of situation are are at tension both with each other and with themselves and questioning their own things and that's like a little bit in the film but then it just kind of moves on really quickly uh it also kind of pretty quickly is like clear like yeah it's the same guy uh and the problem is that in the book it's not actually proven whether or not any of this is real the 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 thing that actually really kind of proves them where like all the planes are falling out of the sky it's not like that in the book apparently it's like a couple planes so like a weird freakish coincidence but like you know the prophecy is vague enough that like maybe it's maybe it's just a coincidence mm. um and the book ends with eric and andrew walking into the woods as the sky is starting to darken and it ends there so you you know that they have a couple of minutes to make the decision whether or not to sacrifice one of them. But you don't know if the apocalypse is real or what decision they make or whether or not that decision affects the world around them at all. Again, That's so very different. Quick. That's completely very, different. Very, very different. Uh, whereas this movie, it's the apocalypse is real. Yeah. And I have to kill myself. <laughs> So that you and our daughter, whom we love so much, can go on. And they have a really cheesy scene about, like, but f everyone, fuck everyone else. Like, they're homophobes. Which is, like, kind of where the problem starts. Because <laughs> mm. it's, like, you know that would include, like, all gay people on Earth, too, are going to die, right? Like, it's a little harder to 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 have these characters be believable when they're, like... Yes, I will not only sacrifice all the homophobes in the world, but also all other gay people, whom apparently they just didn't con didn't even consider in this equation, which is not really accurate to most gay people. 
Yeah, that's, you know, that's very fair. Most gay people are... Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to give a blanket statement, but I, I think that there's an awareness of I, community there. I think for the characters that are presented as sort of upwardly mobile, uh, wealthy-ish, uh, like one of them is like a, a lawyer, uh, an activist lawyer, I think, and I forget what... Uh, that's Andrew. I forget what Eric's job is, but Eric's job is also implied, if I remember to be... Like, they're, they're pretty well off. Yeah. Uh, the idea that they don't know a bunch of other, like, gay people is, like, very funny. Uh, <laughs> like, the idea, that, the, the idea that Andrew would both be so shaped by homophobia that he would be this kind of person that he is, but also apparently know no other gay people despite absolutely having the means and ability to live in any city full of gay people very funny very funny idea yeah uh, and that's kind of where the the m night being a dumb guy thing shows through because it kind of makes the whole redmond being a homophobe thing who gay bashed them which is then confirmed in the film as well like not really mean anything it doesn't really add anything to the story um I, I, I think that that would actually be a thing where he could maybe flip it and have that be ambiguous about whether or not whether or not he's a homophobe because otherwise why 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 is he there? <laughs> mm. What what narrative drive does this add to the story? It's a very it's a very weird decision and it's the kind of decision that does show that like M Night is kind of working outside of his 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 knowledge base maybe. Sure. Uh, I, I, my, put my hands up. My hot take of the film. Uh huh. And Andrew should have been a trans woman. Ooh, spicy. I, I think if the film is going to make as many changes as it made, Andrew being a trans woman would carry a lot more weight to it. Mm. Because I feel like it would introduce a much greater, like, this says, again, the thing I said before, like, how many, how many gay people don't know that many other gay people, especially if they can, like, clearly, if they clearly were living in, like, a major city beforehand. Sure, yeah. Uh, So, you know, not to, not to devalue, like, the gay relationship at the center of the film, um, but it's very clear that when the film is sort of, playing around with this idea of both sacrificing your loved ones but also there's the intersection of like uh angie's experience of violence and homophobia and stuff i think it is relevant to bring up the fact that like andrew implicitly would have a community you're right uh you'd have a community to go home to yeah um and i'm not saying that a trans woman wouldn't but a trans woman in a heterosexual relationship uh, with a with a cis man, absolutely would have a lot more reason to kind of feel like she's giving up her shot at a normal life, right? For the sake of a world that has punished her for being who she is. Yeah, because I mean, if if it, it's a very loaded choice there, because it's like, well, do you die and leave the world with one less transgender person in it? Or yeah. do you uh, kill the man who kind of 
provides you a sort of patriarchal buffer from all of the worst kind of horrific shit that can happen to a transgender individual. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that would be really interesting interplay there. I I I think it would, and I think it would add a lot to to her anger. To, to Andrew's anger in the film. I, I It's just, a, it is the kind of texture to this film where it's like, if you're going to make as many changes as M. Night did, I'm like, go all the way and make like a change that would make, for my opinion, a much more compelling character. Part of that, admittedly, uh, Ben Aldridge, not a great actor in this movie. Kind of, kind of weak. J- John Groff gets a, gets a bit of a pass because he has a concussion for most of the film. Uh, but Ben, wasn't really selling me wasn't selling me on this character too much uh yeah i i wasn't um i wasn't super taken in by their by their performances i uh, i don't know they had the kind of same face gay couple problem which you hate to see it um and that's like again i'm not saying that like you couldn't have made a similar film with a gay couple and proved it i think another choice set of choices that could have been made would have involved a lot more emphasizing Andrew's anger after surviving that as a point of tension in his relationship. And so you can create this contact, this tension of like, he can save this relationship and his loved ones from like, and they will live in an apocalypse post-apocalyptic world, but they will be living in that world always with Eric seeing Andrew as someone so angry that he would kill all of humanity to protect like his loved ones. Um, or he can give up this like one person who he feels like safe with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 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 like I think that's a, that is absolutely a thing you can do with gay characters. I think that just the raw materials that this movie gives us with, I, it doesn't gel together. And again, I think that's mostly because it's M Night working kind of outside of like a point of reference really for him. Uh, he it definitely feels like a film where it's like it's not not irrelevant not it's not irrelevant the characters are gay but it's sort of working from the ground up a lot of assumptions about uh the ins and outs of these kinds of relationships and the kind of way that these things would affect people from the perspective of somebody whose ideas of relationships are driven by straight people yeah because again i keep bringing it up the idea that they wouldn't have like a community that would also be a factor weighing in here rookie mistake that is that is classic straight media thing of gay people don't know other gay people they know uh the person they're dating and like that's it right 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 yeah i mean it's uh, you know it, that's that's a that's a bit of an oversight I don't, let's let's try to reframe our our thoughts here uh if you keep calling m night Shyamalan a dumb guy i i, I don't know if he's necessarily dumb i think sometimes he kind of fumbles fumbles the bag as far as uh getting the tone right on on his films and and getting people to kind of understand what he's going for um but i also think people i i think you know some of that is on the audience that that maybe they're not they're bringing some expectations there that are uh you know a a little bit outsized a little bit unfair uh and you know i felt like this movie was very concise and simple and kind of simplified a what sounds like a really political and complex story uh i don't know i don't know if you feel that way uh, well, the thing I'd heard for again, this is from Lonnie, so take it with a grain of salt. Is that the book is also kind of boring? It's not very well done. Uh-huh. Um, I a choice that I think 
works a lot better in the kind of film that M. Night is making that departs from the book as well, is that in the book, uh, the kid dies. Really? But not, but it doesn't count. No way. It doesn't count because it has to be a chosen sacrifice. And what happens is that when they're fumbling for the gun with Leonard, the gun goes off and shoots her. No way. That's, and that's crazy. I think it did in a movie would come off as so cheap. It, it would yeah. just come off as just Audrey shock value. Like, I, I think that is a correct choice. And that if you were to have something like that, it's. It would just immediately suck so many of the stakes out of the room, I feel like. Damn. Yeah, that would that would be that's that's definitely a good change. Like I, yeah. I, I think that it, you know, it's it's once you kind of go into it recognizing that it's definitely trying to do something different. Uh and it's it's kind of this like story about you know, uh faith and family and all of this stuff that M. Night Shyamalan seems usually interested in um, that is, you know, more 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 contained than that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked Knock at the Cabin. Um, I thought it was, you know, I, th- I thought it was really fun, but also I I think this whole, you know, this this whole conversation is very, like, interesting to me because there's a lot of, there, there's a big chasm between the book and the film um even more so it seems than is in a lot of cases where books are adapted uh that is that is you know obviously very very political and very multifaceted yeah no and, and and to be clear here overall i did like the film i i feel like it is a very i'm not uh when you revisit a lot of his films you realize he works a lot in in genre pastiche almost and this is definitely like his love letter to like '90s thrillers. Um, I had even read a thing about how he had gone out of his way to like get camera equipment from the '90s to make it look more like a movie from the '90s. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, the only reason I really seize on that that big difference is because it's a film that has a lot in it. Visually, this is such a fucking return to form for him. I fucking love the way this movie looks. Yeah. He's so good at constructing shots, the way everything is like always claustrophobic and like hyper-focused in on what's directly in front of you. And then like occasionally throwing you off by having a shot of like Rupert Grant in just the corner of a screen while the rest of it is like all empty. Really, really good. Really good return to form. I really like what M. Night's doing visually and as a director in this film. Um, the only reason I'm so I, I've, I'm stuck on this point thing is because it's like it's really that like last ten percent of choices that I'm just like, oh, oh, if you just made them like a little bit different, this would be like easily a like four or five star film for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that absolutely. Um, I've never had a problem with uh, M. Night Shyamalan's like images and, and you know the way that he shoots his films. I think that like I don't know he he's he's obviously a very specific sort of edge case where it's like he he's a good director in spite of himself um there's a lot of infamous kind of goofiness to what he does uh but i also kind of don't think he's taking his own movies quite as seriously as the audience seems to be taking it or like you know i don't think people are i I probably said this before during our like old episode that i don't you know i don't remember anything that we said but uh i think that uh 
the audience has to kind of calibrate themselves a little bit. People have to kind of go into M. Night movies knowing that, like, he is making modern B movies. Yeah. The- it is it's so obvious that so much of his influence is on, like, B, B movies. Like, he, he loves genre movies. Yeah, absolutely. B movies that look just incredible and trick you yeah. into thinking they're not B movies. Uh, very glad to, to, to see him continuing to move away from the twist. The twist, the the fucking robot chicken career-ending skit. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I, it, like, I, I think he's he's still very interested in, like, intrigue and mystery. And, and I'm, I'm glad to see that because, I don't know, people kind of pigeonholed him into this very kind of specific thing. Uh, which, I don't know, I feel like... I feel like having a twist is good, you know? Uh, except for insofar as the fact is like the movie, the movie kind of escapes its own context and uh, you have situations like, uh, Hirohiko Araki spoiling Six Sense for the entire country of Japan. Wait, what? When was that? When did that happen? Allegedly. I'm going to have to check my sources on this. And if it's, if it didn't happen, it won't be in the episode, but, uh, there was a part in a Jojo manga where, Jolene walks into a room where they're watching The Sixth Sense and spoils the ending for everybody in the room. <laughs> but Araki had own Araki had like seen it while visiting America, or it was some like preview situation. So it hadn't made its way to Japan yet. So when that episode of the manga came out, no one in Japan had seen Sixth Sense yet. So everybody who read everybody who was reading JoJo basically got spoiled. Um, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's based. It's, you know, it's fine. I mean, if the movie that's, that's so funny, yeah. If the movie doesn't work, like when you know that thing about it, then you know it's not. It's probably not very maybe, good. Maybe it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like Sixth Sense is still is still a good movie, even with all that stuff. Like it's it's got fantastic performances. It's got some really scary stuff going on in it uh, i haven't seen it in quite a while i know i watched signs somewhat recent recently and i had this very distinct feeling that it's like held together by like scotch tape and string but it is still held together like it's still a very good like well-paced movie that, that's been one i've been wanting to revisit because it's one of those ones where it's like i feel like uh maybe this is a film that like kind of got a bad reputation because it's very schmaltzy and hokey but now that i'm like older i can like kind of appreciate that if that's what i'm getting if if i know that that's what i'm going into the film to watch yeah absolutely like i i, I know what to expect from signs at this point I, I generally know what to expect from m night Shyamalan, and uh you know it, it's it's a time and a place thing for sure you know um, what else was I gonna say on the thing? Speak. Oh yeah, to to the background. Speaking of performances, I already I already complained about the gays. Um, the the cultists though, banger performances. They all, all they were all, all killing all, it. All four of them brought such great physicality to their roles. Yeah, and they were really selling this whole situation where like they're kind of remorseful and they don't really know how to communicate, you know, all this, this stuff. Uh, and 
it, it being clearly something they've practiced in their heads a bunch, but like once they're there, are just like really confronting the fact that like this sucks. <laughs> this yeah. sucks for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, going going through them kind of uh, one by one. I guess in order of deaths, uh, Rupert Grint. Yeah, he's he's fucking awesome as this like schlubby American homophobe ex-con, you know, who like kind of sucks but also has to shelve his suckiness for a second to save the world or whatever. It's uh, it's so good. Yeah. I it, it's uh he should have even, even he should have said the F slur. He should have said the F slur like he says in the book. Also, the minor but very funny change. Um, the part where Leonard is like, I like this show you're watching. It's it's it it shows real good uh good values like sharing. Very, very funny scene. Um I think it's Littlest Pet Shop. You hear Tara Strong immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh favorite change I found out in the book, it's Steven Universe. <laughs> Oh my god, really? They yeah, mention the it by name? They mention it by name, that it is Steven Universe. I wonder if they tried to get Steven Universe for the movie or not. I'm so curious how they landed on Littlest Pet Shop to be the show that they're watching instead. God damn. That's, that's real. That's really funny. And then, who dies second? Isn't it, uh... Um, I believe it is, um, Abby Quinn's character, Adrian. Adrian, uh, the one who's like, I have a kid and I'm a waitress. Yeah, she. And there's the whole thing where Andrew's like, I don't believe a fucking word of that, and it turns out she does have a kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. She. She's spectacular. She's a very like. She's like a woman that you would see on TikTok or something like that. Just the way the way that she's performing. Uh, you know this like this kind of like enforced nervous normalcy, but also she's like definitely gonna die. Yeah, no, I, I love that, like... Uh, so that's another thing that's great, is the second you get to the thing where, like, Redmond dies, um, he, like, leading right into it, like, as soon as it's revealed that they're going to be killing each other each time they, they say no, um, and right, it, it both, A, contextualizes his behavior at the start of it so much, because he... he you can tell that he knows as soon as they walk in that they're not going to fucking say... They're not going to fucking make the choice the first time. He knows he's right. going to die. Yeah. But then from the behavior that you think back between that and then like after that, you can immediately tell what the order is for the the next the next three characters because of just their their levels of like nervousness around it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Nikki Amaka Bird as uh, Re- returning from old. Returning from old. Yeah. Which is very which is very special. Um. Yeah, she she plays Sabrina, who's this kind of, like, kind of, uh, in some ways, like, very, like, level-headed. Um, I think she's, like, the nurse. Yeah, I was gonna say, she, she gives off the good vibes of being a nurse, so someone who's used to chaos, but, like, not this kind of chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So she has these, she has these, like, methods uh, of, of, like, trying to keep things under control. Uh... And yeah, I, I, I thought that all of her like expressions, her constant anxiety and fear 
the the kind of back and forth that they have at the car where they're like wrestling over the gun and all of that stuff like really 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 good i i love it because it's like their relationship to to leonard's idea about how to approach this really comes through a lot there too like i feel like adrian just kind of like is just trying to talk to them like 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 a like a person and it comes off like sabrina is just like trying to stick to these like scripts and ideas that leonard had came up with which gives the sense that like she doesn't really know how to interact with people yeah yeah like she has she has this whole kind of history to her um each character sort of does and and um i it you know i i can only assume that they had kind of coached and rehearsed some some things about that and kind of chatted about that as like a pre-production process thing yeah i don't know this is that's just the kind of kind of the biz the biz side of things yeah no it's like it's like again great performances um Co- cohesive enough that you know i can i can accredit that to both them all being good actors and you know m night's direction like it they are cohesive enough and work well enough for the camera that that is a lot of interplay there clearly um so sad about ben aldridge <laughs> <laughs> i really keep hammering on him but yeah man like he acts like um God, how do I want to put this? He he acts like you know whenever uh Mark Wahlberg has to tell a lie in a movie. Oh God! Well, yeah, like that, I mean we have the happening. Yeah, the, exa- the happening is actually like the exact scene I was thinking of. Like just the the very, huh? What? No, what? no, of course not. Um, that that is what his character reminded me of. Yeah, <laughs> is Mark Wahlberg's character telling a lie in any film? Just just that specific overacting where it's like, you are not selling this at all. <laughs> I feel like every time Mark Wahlberg's name comes up, we we all we both do our impression of that scene specifically. It's it's, it's a I, to me, that is like a career defining scene. Yeah, because once I have seen that, I can see him doing I see it in every other role he does. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Dave, Mr. Bautista? How- oh, oh. <laughs> fanning myself but also uh (laughs) incredible fucking performance there was as as just a quick aside we'll 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 get into actually you know talking about the performance but uh, there was like some interview some story that came out recently where it was he he was like lamenting not being given more like rom-com style roles uh because everybody you know quote unquote like thinks he's a freak or whatever and i saw that and i went that's bait that yeah. is <laughs> that is a sto- that story is compliment bait because yeah. everyone wants to fuck Dave Bautista. Come everyone on, everyone thinks he's so hot. Every time he's in another movie, there's like a new wave because he's always playing like a hot guy and specifically a hot guy in the category of big. Yeah, of course. Like you know, he's. It, I mean, like, yes, there should be a rom-com with Dave Bautista. Why not? Absolutely. Fuck yeah. I'll, I'll go watch that, and I don't usually watch rom-coms. Uh, but I, I, I just bristle, bristle at the idea of him being like, I'm such a freak, women don't want me. Blue, blue, blue. As, as if that is even remotely close to the yeah. truth. 
hiding uh trying to the that that fucking bog chaser tweet where it's like trying to do the the monkey hiding its face emoji in real life (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but he is he's so good here he he's like this like he he's he's playing like big but calming you know kind of this classic sort of gentle giant role um he's he's playing like intellectual he's playing like cult leader he has to convince several people of uh a specific you know potential shared hallucination potential real thing or whatever he he's very good at playing a character who is soft and sensitive but strong but also is aware that because of his size people are going to immediately like have assumptions about his intent or what will happen if they upset him or cross him and he does not want that yeah absolutely uh and the way he goes out is just so 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 rough so insane so so unbelievable it's it's it like i said i am not immune to schmaltz there's a lot of there's a lot of schmaltz in this yeah uh but it works it works uh it was very funny though at one point when I was looking I forgot what I was looking at, looking up something related to this film, and I found one of those like looper screen rant, one of those shit sites. Um and it was like, Oh, things you might not have got in Gabin in the Woods and like a fucking fish on a lot line. I fucking click it. Like, whoa, what did I miss? Um and one of the first things is like, Did you notice that like the thing he says to Wen about how to catch grasshoppers is like that's like what he's gonna do to them in the cabin? And I'm like are you like new to watching movies? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I did. I noticed that when the movie, f- the second he started talking, I was like, oh, that's because that's what the movie's about. Like, that's, yeah. That's They're... like filmmaking 101. Oh, a character is explaining a thing that's relevant to what's going to happen in the film. This is something that you might not have noticed. It, uh... Did you notice that that gun that Chekhov has in the first <laughs> act fires in the third one? Did you notice that this film has themes and repeating images and and ideas uh, in it? Uh, very interesting. Awesome. Look awesome reporting. As Leonard, look familiar. That's right. He's actually a former WWF wrestler. <laughs> Through the power of cinema, tricking you into believing that he is a man named Leonard. He is an actual actor. He's acting in this film. There is it's not real. Stop be please don't be scared. Uh H2 font. How did they make all those planes crash? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean that's about what 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 we can what we can expect from 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 the old wonderful wonderful internet, World Wide Web. A- average average American cinema literacy at all-time fucking lows right now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. We'll survive. Uh yeah. yeah, I I really loved the ending of this movie. I thought it was awesome. I, I thought No, they... it's it's really good. I I I, th- I thought they fucking nailed it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there's just such a amazing emotional interplay between the daughter and the remaining father of just like her being at that specific stage of development where she's like oh man i actually have to like concern myself with the emotional needs of my like newly widowed parent and then him him turning back on the radio as this rebuttal to kind of be like 
No, just because, you know, we lost somebody important to us doesn't mean, like, you can still be a kid. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was really stunning. I almost wonder if he just, if M. Night Shyamalan just had the ending in mind after reading the book and just kind of, you know, worked everything toward that. Uh, I could, I could see that. He, he seems like a, he does seem like the kind of guy who, like, starts with, like, a really stark image. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it dism- it dismounts so effectively that it, it made me really appreciate and like the rest of the movie that much that much more. Uh, M Night's back, baby. He did old, which is classic goofy M Night, and yeah. then he did Knock at the Cabin, which is like a really good film that you can actually recommend without having to be like, so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Really, you know, I I wouldn't call it like the most spectacular movie I've ever seen, but I was really really pleasantly surprised personally. It it it, it nails the that '90s thriller thing, which like honestly, it's like most '90s thrillers are a lot worse than this. <laughs> I've watched like a couple recently. A lot of them don't really hold up. Pretty bad actually. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, like what can you do? They can't all they can't all hey, be winners. Also, most of them too long. This movie, a hundred minutes. <laughs> another victory for the M. Night yeah for the they them night stands in the audience and hey you know what it displaced Avatar from the top of the box office so oh. shout out to fucking M. Night Shyamalan because I was getting goddamn sick of hearing about that piece of shit god I cannot I'm so glad we weathered the storm of uh, It it's so funny how there was like months of people being like you know actually avatar is like really good it's like actually like one of the best films like come on avatar bros like we're gonna fucking sl- yeah we're gonna take it oh look at it it's like yeah, 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 see yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then the exact same thing that happened if even avatar one happened which is that a month later everyone fucking forgot about it no one remembers Nobody that it even about existed that movie. yeah because I saw... it was a fucking colonialist snack for it was idiot freaks to partake in and not actually care about three cutscene it was a goddamn (laughs) cutscene uh yeah uh i love to once again be proven correct (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know like uh i i i loved living in a world where they kept promising and promising and promising sequels to this piece of shit movie that no one actually really liked and a bunch of idiots pretend to like uh and and never ever delivering that sequel and now that it's here i guess it's just a reminder that like the fucking billionaire colonialist idiots who run everything will uh have the last laugh and get their money and uh you know and i want every fucking shithead idiot who keeps calling james cameron like the director of the proletariat fucking choke to death you're a moron sorry you're a fucking idiot it's it's very funny because it's like listen if you liked avatar 2 whatever sure but i hope you die but that's just me it's it's the thing of just like everyone so many other people who watched it are just like all these people who are talking out loud it's actually really good maybe the director of proletariat it's like i don't believe you now when you say you don't like marvel movies yeah you're full of shit like like it's this is the same thing. Oh, it's the, it's what the proletariat wants. Doug, the proletariat wants what they're fucking told to want. That's like one oh one. That's like 
opiate of the masses 101 shit like you have not you are not up to snuff on your readings sirs and ma'ams you do not get how this shit proliferates this is a repackaging of white supremacy but i I don't know Uh, you know fuck it lead a horse to water right lead a horse to the way of water Here's the thing about the about analyzing the film's politics. I'm sure they're bad. It doesn't matter to me because the movie also fucking sucks. It sucks, and it's people bad. are like, "Oh, it's, it's so a good. bad movie." It's sensual cinema. It's all about sensuality, and it's like I wanted. To, I, I'm James Cameron. I wanted to see, uh, you know, a native people get completely displaced and destroyed, and have, for people to have to sacrifice their sons and grieve on camera. And I, I wanted to see. Uh, fishes and uh, space age technology and guns and all this shit. And it's like, who the fuck, what pervert wants to see this garbage? It, <laughs> it's PS3 cutscene, bo- like, play any game ever. You'll see shit that's ex- this exactly. It's, it's truly a, a testament to how stupid people treat the working class people that like the highest imagination they can think of for wonderment to the people is a rock that floats in the air good god (laughs) uh you haven't played world of warcraft it's in that shit too i don't know man james cameron is the director of the proletariat by the way i live in fucking bushwick yeah (laughs) fucking morons uh but anyway enough about (laughs) Let me see when the last time James Cameron directed a good movie was. Oh, Avatar 3 and 4 coming, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) uh, Avatar 1 was the last film he directed before this. Sucked. Um, 1997 Titanic. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's fine. I I was thinking about going to see the the re-release. Yeah, Uh, I will give him that. I will give him Titanic. That was... 25 years ago (laughs) that was a quarter of a century ago yeah yeah and what he's given us since is him just dicking around it's not even shit that's innovative in like oh but it's technically innovative in this it's a computer it's in the computer it's all in the computer go to one of those ai images websites yeah Shut down the power grid in fucking Santa Ana, California, or wherever the fuck they the render farm is, and all of the uh, insane, you know, leap forward in technology, the leap forward in filmic storytelling, uh, it disappears. It's all gone. Whatever, man. I mean, like, even Aliens I get kind of heated about, because it's like, I, I, love, I love that movie, but I love it less and less every single time I watch it, especially by comparison to Alien, which is, like, so so smart and political while also being so entertaining and blah, 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 blah. No, Alien's a fucking banger. Like, Alien Alien is is, is the superior film. Uh, as, when I was a child, I thought Aliens 2 was better. But then when I became an adult, I put away such childish notions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. The cinema of the sensual, where you can't feel anything and nothing... Did- so cinema, that's just like the new like cope, right? That's the that's the new like Transformers <laughs> fan cope. Like all the people who were like Mike, Michael Bay is like an auteur. Like it's it's cinema of the senses. Cin- cinema, uh, fucking what was that? Uh, spectacle theater. That's it. Now that people are using spectacle as a negative, it's sensu- it's sensual. Fuck you. Fuck off. Fuck out of here with that shit. Go watch M Night Shyamalan movies instead. 
I'll take M Night. I'll take M Night any day over James Cameron. Yeah. God damn it. At least M Night is interested in fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's 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 not quite so up his own ass. He he doesn't take himself that seriously, no matter what I, people seem to say about him. I thought his cameo in this movie was charming. Yeah, this is like the best M Night cameo <laughs> ever. It was really, really, really funny. I hope I hope James Cameron gets fucking compression sickness next time he goes down the Titanic. Boat. <laughs> I hope I hope next time he's down there he fucking drowns. <laughs> I don't care if he used to be a truck driver. You're not anymore. You're a millionaire filmmaker, bitch. I hope he emerges out of his little fucking fucking billion dollar bubble, little <laughs> bubble machine that he uses to go down and jerk off in the ocean. And I hope he steps out of it, and a fucking blood clot enters his brain and kills him on the spot. <laughs> Fuck him! Drop his body in the goddamn ocean like the jewel at the end of Titanic. Fuck <laughs> you, Jesus. Uh well, this this felt this felt all very therapeutic. Uh, yeah. You know, hopefully, hopefully for you as well as for me. I feel a lot better now. That's good. honestly, I think, I think what I just needed to remind myself of is that there's so many terrible movies out that yeah. it's fine if a, if I have like a few problems with a film and think that it could have done better because that's at least inspiring to do something. Unlike Avatar Two, which inspires me to drive a fucking truck into a bank. <laughs> I don't have a driver's license. That's not a legally actionable threat. Yeah, that, we, we, yeah it's parody, parody. We're out, we're in character. Uh, all right, as your um, <clears throat> as your therapist, uh, <clears throat> I deem you go go out into the world. I deem you sane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this 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 feels really good. I I am reminded that um, mainstream media can have beauty and human humanness in it again. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's an important thing to remember while the world is ending. Yeah, honestly, we need to find some like we got to find some gays to kill to to get that. Yeah. Reversed. Yeah, that'll yeah, that maybe that's project Who's, for another day. What's what's Oh, you know what? It'll be really easy. We just have to find the one monogamous gay couple. <laughs> Ah, oh, good okay, luck with that it, one. Cut it there. Cut it there. <laughs> <laughs>